Yeah, it was because I was fucking, uh, it was updating and I moved the file at the same time. So I was like, no, you can't do any of that until after this updates. Okay. So, yeah, I've been playing it. Well, that's it. what I told you. I've been playing it all morning, so it's been doing pretty well. That's what I told you. Did you get to a point where you can pick your character yet, or are you still stuck as Camilla? Well, I haven't been... A- I c- yes and no. I've been able to play between two different characters right now, Hulk and Kamala, and that's pretty much it right now. So. I didn't know. It, it kind of made it seem like it was a... Uh, it was a you got to choose your character, mm-hmm. but... Everything that I've seen you play so far is story driven by X character. What, what she's doing, yeah. Right now, that's the way it is, and that's only because of uh, they're trying to introduce you to the world and shit. And it looks fucking vast. Like I've only played about maybe three, four hours of it, and I've only hit maybe like seven percent of the game. So it looks fucking vast, and it looks like they're constantly because you can drop in and out of different people's campaigns and shit. So it looks like you can. Mm. The story will continue as the even if you finish the campaign, they'll have other missions and shit that you'll be able to do and whatnot. So, and be able to piggyback into somebody else's. Yeah, hopefully. So that just means whenever I finally buy it and get it downloaded, then you'll be overpowered and you can come and destroy <laughs> everything for me. Yeah, and like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the character designs of a few of them. Like Hulk is alright. Thor, I'm not a huge fan of. There are a few aspects on Thor that are alright, but Cap, I just, I don't know what. The thought process was with the cap. Yeah, I'm not really sure. But to anybody who uh, who doesn't know, we're talking about the new Avengers game that is coming out, and it comes out the fourth. We're recording. I got early access because I pre-ordered the damn thing, and so I've been playing it for the past I don't know day and a half. And yeah, the cap one. I luckily there you can buy skins, or as you progress through the game, you'll get different skins and shit like that. So. Yeah, because I, I uh, ordered the deluxe version of it. I got, like, a... Because th- they have, like, this uh, tie-in uh, um, money system. I can't remember what they call mm-hmm. it. Some sort of, like, credit system where you actually spend actual money for credits within the game. And then you can use those credits on skins or emotes or shit like that. Mm-hmm. And you can just buy them Much directly. Much like every game yeah, ever. M- most games do that. Um but they, because they got the deluxe version, they gave you a thousand, and like there's like this like really cool like Greek mythology esque uh, Thor uh, outfit. It was it was like a cross between Greek mythology and Viking mythology. So it would be Norse. Whatever. You uncultured heathen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So we're trying something different here. We've had a pod- podcast in the past, but and I realized. The last time we did a podcast is uh, shortly before someone got inaugurated, and then we stopped, because depression is a damn thing, Ryan. Yes, and it is. It's dangerous. Fucking past four years have been fucking exhausting, and I'm going to try to fight through it, because I'm still fucking depressed about certain aspects of that fucking day, and it continues, the nightmare continues, if you will. And I don't want to be that type of podcast where you're just going to rail on a particular uh, party, but that's not why we're doing the podcast. We're not doing political. I'm just saying I'm trying to give a perspective of what we as were... to why we right stopped. Um, that was one reason. Just work got in the way because I think right around the time we um, uh, stopped doing our first podcast, uh, what was it? 
one of our coworkers fell off the roof. Yeah, that was it. That we was it. Were, we were working. We were working ridiculous hours. We work ridiculous hours as it is now. We work like 50, 60 hours as it is right now. And now, and there's only four of us. Now I eliminate one person, and the rest of us have to pick up the slack. Right. So 50, 60 turned into like 70, 80. Yep. So they turned into ridiculous hours. Um, it wasn't until this past year and a half, maybe two, I think Dave's been there for about, yeah. about two years, that we were able to alleviate some of that stress. And because of that, uh, we weren't able to record as frequently as we wanted to. So we just went on a hiatus and then uh, just a bunch of shit in between all that. So we're starting a new podcast and we're doing something a little bit different. Um, just basically find a movie that they're going to talk about for the week and then just break it down scene by scene. And we're going to break beat it down. Beat by beat. And then just go from there and find, just pick apart either. <coughs> and we'll get to this here in a bit because there are a few podcasts where we, or a few movies that will be in this franchise that we just can't fucking stand. And we'll get to the movie that we're discussing this week. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the first four, the first two are brilliant. The third one's all right. Fourth one gets a little less all right. And then you have all the uh, the tie-ins with other franchises that just get downright horrible. We we'll yes. get to those. Yes, uh, but, but we get to start with a with a gem, with a cherry. Yes, with a I, like the movie we're talking about now is a movie that is highly regarded in the nerd world, but it's just not only a nerd movie. It's also a horror movie. It's I mean when it was first introduced, fantasy. Sci-fi, right? Um, and it's in that, and obviously all that's nerd shit. But it's mainly meant. It's mainly known for the scares and the horror elements of it. Because yeah. because we watched the director's cut. I think it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Because the second the, one's called special edition for whatever reason. The the two thousand and three director's cut. Right. Um, so we watched the director's cut of that, and because. We should probably watch the theatrical version uh, just to compare the two. But in the theatrical version, I don't think there is any blood whatsoever. Because I think the, the uh, what was the character's name? The guy that first finds the fully grown creature. Um, I can't remember his name. I don't know, but the fun fact I know about him uh, in his backstory that was written but never really described on screen, he's a drug addict. Brett. That's his name, Brett. So whenever he first enter, he is a drug addict. What? That's the backstory. Yeah, um, <laughs> he uh, like in his past has had trouble with uh, mm-hmm. drug dependency and stuff, and that's him. That's one of the reasons that he's on the the crew of the particular vessel. Because mm-hmm. I know him and uh, uh, what's his name Parker are fucking obsessed with like making sure they get their fair share, their share, their money. All right. Um, but I didn't know he was a drug addict. I guess that makes sense. He's kind of like all like sweaty and shit, but I just figured it was because he was an uh, engineer in the movie. But in the theatrical version, I don't think you see too much whenever he first gets killed. In fact, I don't think there is a lot of... You don't see a lot of killing in the theatrical version. No, you don't. But in the director's cut, there's definitely... Like, whenever fucking Brett gets taken out, you see him fucking get taken the fuck out. And it's not just like a cut to like Jonesy or shit like that. Like in the theatrical version, you actually and, see him. And I, I don't know how long we're going to continue uh, this, dancing around this, it. <laughs> this softcore fellatio <laughs> version of not letting people know what we're talking about, right. but giving enough subtle hints that anybody who pays enough attention will know. But it, I don't know. It's just 
<laughs> well, no, the, more, buy... the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, oh, like, the... like you want to see? You want to see? No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the movie we're talking about this uh, this time around, the, fir- the very first episode of uh, Nerdinian is Alien. It was uh, made in 19- 1979. Yeah, and like I said, we watched a director's cut. I so yeah, I'm, I'm debating on whether or not to just dive into the movie or just do a little few uh, facts about it or what and then oh, dive in the movie. I think that the facts can come up as... We talk about the movie. Well, the one fact I wanted to point out is that this was nominated for an Oscar and won for, like, best visual effects. Which makes sense because there's a lot of, like... that. Like, the beginning of the movie is a lot of, like, panning shots of just, like, the spaceship and just the hallways and shit like that. And before this, you had... Uh, Star Wars was in 77, and then before that was um, uh, the Space Odyssey. 2001. Yes, that's it. I was going to say 20,000. I was like, no, that's not it. Um, but you had that, that, those two movies come out before it, and I, and I have no doubt that's why this movie was the way it um, is. Well, it's, uh, Star Wars was actually the reason that this movie even got made. Oh, was it? Um, because after the success of Star Wars, people were snatching up. Because uh, I, I did a little bit of reading um, and stuff this morning um, that... Uh, like, this was originally pitched to 20th Century Fox, like, pre, like, 75-ish. hmm And they didn't want anything to do with it. Hmm. Because they're like, well, we don't think it's going to do that well. We don't think that it's going to, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> be able to bring us any big returns or anything. And then Star Wars came out. And yeah, then they I- were like... Okay, well, anything with any kind of sci-fi, spacey theme yeah. will probably do pretty well right now. So, yeah. they grabbed it up, and uh, and that's how Alien. And we will eventually. And like I said, what I alluded to earlier, we're gonna watch Alien the next, the following. We're gonna watch Aliens and so on and so forth with Alien Three and uh, Alien Resurrection, and then we'll go from there. And then we're gonna uh, because the xenomorphs are in the in these movies. We're gonna do AVP, and then from AV the two AVP movies, we're gonna go and do Predator, and that should give us a few months of fucking material to record from. And then from there, I don't know. And we'll eventually, figure out something. we'll also go back to the, the reboots, if you will, with Prometheus and mm, yeah, yeah. Alien Resurrection yeah, yeah. and. I'm wondering when that whole mess, or not resurrection. Um, Alien resurrection is the fourth one before the covenant. They, covenant. Covenant. The, Prometheus. The <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have discussions about Prometheus. Yes, we will. I agree with you on covenant, but Prometheus, I will knife you. No. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's see who Ridley Scott directed it. Dan O'Bannon and Ron Shusett. I think that's how you spell it, say his name. S-H-U-S-E-T-T. Shusset. I think so. Uh, wrote it. And it has uh, John Hurt, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, uh, Tom Skerritt, Yafit Koto, I think that's how you say his name. Y-A-P-H-E-T-K-O-T-T-O. I think so. Yafit Koto. And then, of course, Sigourney Weaver. Um, and fun fact before we go much further, um, it originally was not called Alien. What was it called? The original title for the movie was Star Beast. Okay. 
sounds about right. I mean, they, they, in the novelization of the, the movie, they call the, the, the alien in the crash-down ship they explore, they call him the space jockey. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, when Dan O'Bannon was first drafting the screenplay, um, he called it Star Beast. He didn't like the title, but he struggled to find a better replacement until late one night in a writing session as he was typing dialogue in which the crew members discussed the alien. That word jumped out at him in particular. He promptly ditched Starbeast for that title, which he loved because it was a noun and an adjective. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, let's just dive in the movie because it starts off with a really interesting title sequence. I don't think any movie's ever done this where you get like sections of each letter, letter as it goes. Yes, the, the title card for Alien is... It's just it's just beautiful, and it's it's not. <clears throat> um, it's a lot of it. I think personally is um, that it like mirrors itself. So mm-hmm. you start off with the the slant of the A, and then you get the slant of the N at the end, mm-hmm. and it just fills in one line at a mm-hmm. time throughout like a minute and a half. Something long like that, as you pan through space and see the uh, ship and everything. So yeah, thing that just. Like, it, it's just very... I don't think anybody's well tried, o- outside of the Alien movies, I don't think anybody's tried to, like, replicate that type of title card. Nothing, nothing, nothing comes think. to mind, yeah. uh, like, right, it's possible, right up but front. But if, if anybody did, did, it was probably something else that Ridley Scott has been part of. Maybe. Um, uh, let's just dive... Like I said, we'll go into the movie. So we open up with the title card, and then we... Uh, slowly pan over to the Nostromo. It's basically like this big uh, trucker ship uh, that basically takes cargo from one end of space to the other, and that's what they're tasked with. with, uh, I don't think they specifically say what they're doing, other than they find the... um, uh, the, uh, What was it? The beacon. I can't... The stress beacon. I was thinking of the right phrase. The stress beacon. So, and... There's a crew of seven. I think that's how many people I mentioned. Yeah. Kane, Ripley, Lambert, Ash, and Parker and Brett, and then Dallas as the uh, captain, captain of the ship. And then Ian Holm plays the uh, uh, android. So the, uh, the beginning of the movie starts off, we see the Nostromo, and they're all slowly waking up from cryogenic sleep, and as they go through, you see everything starting to light up, and they're all groggy and shit, and... Um, I really enjoyed this because part of me, like I said, it has clear influence from Space Odyssey. Yes. Because it's very similar. Outside of the ship just being a big giant wheel, it's very similar to the way everything looks, the way that people act in space. It's very, uh, I mean, for the time there was a lot of... Like any of the sci-fi movies, and for for the time, did no one fucking think that hey, maybe TVs will be a bit bigger than I don't know, twelve inches by ten inches? Every one of these fucking movies, and it annoys the shit out of me, is a goddamn tiny ass CRT TV. Like they go into Mother at one point, Dallas does, and he's talking to Mother. It's like, hey, why are we up this early, or are we close to Earth, or whatever? And it's just. Giant ass fucking room with all these fucking lights and shit, and one and fucking monitor. Bitty bitty TV. It it makes no sense. No one. It's like, hey, maybe, maybe, we'll get bigger TVs in the future. 
that never once crossed anybody's mind. That's the thing that bugs me the most about well, any no, of these at, movies. At that point, uh, technology continuously gets smaller because <laughs> you think about a computer in the 70s and it was an entire fucking room. Yes. And then it gets down to where it's a laptop. <laughs> All right. Like, technology gets smaller, not bigger, But Greg. still, if you're in a giant-ass ship, you would want a decent-sized TV. Not just to fucking do whatever you wanted on the TV, to fucking actually do science shit. Fair. <laughs> I mean... Uh, so, yeah, they're all waking up from um, cryogenic sleep, and as they're all, you know, getting breakfast and shit like that, Parker and Brett are hounding on Dallas about their fair share because they are just the engineers and they, they feel like... They get half of a share. They feel like they're being slighted because of it. Compared to everyone else. Right. Because um, the, all they do is make the ship work. Right. <laughs> and then uh, they talk about the distress beacon that they get and how it's on, what was it, LV-426. Yes. And they don't know what the distress beacon says. They just know that there's a crash ship down there, someone needs help, and they're required by their company policy that if anybody needs help anywhere... If if there's any sort of distress beacon that they have to... They are required to go and and check it out. Yeah, and so that's what they do. And it's uh, Dallas, Kane, and Lambert, um, the only other female in the crew. Fun fact, um, her backstory, (laughs) (laughs) she was born a man. And her parents decided to change her sex. And it um, somehow led to her not being able to, like, deal with emotional trauma well. Mm -hmm. Because, like, shit got fucked up in her brain. And that is how they explain her fantastically quick breakdown through the movie. Like, the fact that she, like, just crumbles... That's interesting. I wonder if... Why didn't they... That would have been interesting to fucking mention. Because in the director's cut... I don't think it's in the uh, theatrical cut. You see her just fucking wail on Sigourney Weaver whenever she doesn't let her in. And I'm... I I don't know. I'm oddly also happy that they didn't do it. Because it would have been an interesting thing back in the 70s. If that character used to be a man, transitioned to a woman. If they would have made some dopey-ass joke of... Well, you were a man once, you can't hit a woman, or some stupid shit like that. Right. Yeah, they go and investigate the, uh, the distress beacon, and they leave Ripley in charge, because that's the way it is, because Dallas, Lambert, and Kane both go to investigate the ship. And as they're investigating the ship, they see that the ship's been there for quite a while. They see the space jockey in some rig of some sort. They just see like some sort of like weird elephant face type thing. And it gets a little bit explained in Prometheus of why they look the way that they look. And then uh, you see that they have a hole, that this particular space jockey has a hole in its chest, and they're not sure why. And then they eventually stumble upon all these uh, uh, egg sacks and everything. And Kane goes to poke at one, because that's essentially what he does. He pokes well, at one. No, not, not at first. He's very, very thoughtful, and he's fucking around with like the, the smoke laser thing. Oh, that's right, yeah. And then he slips and falls, yeah. and. Um, and there's also a fun fact about that, if I can remember it. I'm <laughs> looking for it right now. <laughs> was his backstory he was a spelunker? <laughs> no. Um, the reason that you get that blue laser lighting oh, yeah, is yeah. actually because uh, Roger Daltrey yeah. of The Who yeah. happened to be like next door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and um, they were experimenting with lasers for their mm-hmm. live shows, yep. and they lent the equipment to uh, filming Alien, to which, the filming it, crew of Alien. Which in who you would just expect that to happen, especially at this point. But in Alien, it was just an interesting to see. Interesting because it does nothing. They literally don't have anything come from it. Like they just have this laser come down. You just automatically assume that you're gonna have some sort of like digital readout. It does nothing. You just have this blue light scan the room, and that's it. Yep, and <laughs> and the the smoke is like lit by the blue laser, like coming from right. the side. Right. And anytime he passes the barrier with his hand, it makes noises, mm. but it doesn't do anything. Yeah, it just says your hand in oh shit, your hands in smoke, and that's it. Right. <laughs> and I I just thought that that was very oh no the the backstory of why they have that blue laser is interesting as shit, but from a narrative standpoint, that blue light does dick. Yeah. Other yeah. than uh, your hands in smoke, well clearly I know that I can see that. Um, so yeah. anyway, he slips and falls down into yeah, uh, the, the, the recessed chamber. area, yeah. and there are lots of eggs. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is examining them, and he sees movement he in pokes one. pokes at it. He sees movement in one, and he's just kind of looking at it at first. Um, but the... Uh, the shadow and the movement that you see is actually Ridley Scott's hands oh, in really? a puppet. And that huh. is his cameo in, in the, movie. the Alien movie is <laughs> is just the the puppet inside the egg. Mm-hmm. Whenever it just like, like sloughing movement yeah. or whatever the fuck it yeah. is, yeah. But huh. then, then he pokes at it and you open it up and <laughs> yeah. you find a bunch of uh, cow innards. Yes, is that what they inside? use? Yes, I know. I know that for the actual face hugger after it died and they examined it, it's like uh, sheep kidney and oysters and clams or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's some along those lines. But it looks fucking menacing as shit. Everything's uh, thrown together, but yeah, it stands to reason that they would use actual things. Um, so anyway, he pokes at it, and the next thing we know is that he's being carried to the Nostromo, or at least the, uh, I guess, uh, rescue ship from the Nostromo, as they're carrying Kane's body with well, a no, face it hugger. Is, it is the Nostromo, or at least part of it, because yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, Some sort it of like separates. Yeah, like ship. Came I think off it is still. I think it is still designated the Nostromo. Oh, though, is it? Because. Um, it separates from the hauling platform oh, okay. itself, mm. um, which is where they're carrying the 20 million pounds of ore or whatever, whatever they're they bringing have. back yeah. um, in like a refinery setting. And he's got the fucking face hugger on his face and it broke through the glass and everything. And I, Just from a technical standpoint, he would be dead. Because they have... Not only, obviously, the thing is uh, breathing for him, but the thing had to break through the glass. That glass is going somewhere. It's not going to go in the alien. Well, if you look at it, um, whenever they cut off, like, we're going to jump forward a few scenes. Right. Whenever they cut it off of him, like his helmet, it's not gone. It looks like it's been disintegrated. Like, it looks like they used some sort of Acid, if you Part want. of their mm. acid blood to melt the... I guess. Would, 
but still, it stands to reason that he would have some sort of scarring from that. Because it's not going to be like... The animal's not going to be able to keep it off his... Because it's a big fucking hole for this animal to be on his face. So that means right. there would be some sort of like residual well, damage yes, on the guy. There probably would. Like, I know it's a pet peeve. Sus- and just suspension of disbelief, Greg. But still, it's ridiculous. An alien... Or the... The alien parasite would know how to do it correctly without harming the host because reasons. Because if it, <laughs> right. harms, if it harms the host, then there's a chance that right. the embryo would be damaged in some way or not a perfect specimen when it came out. Right. And this is where we get Ripley being correct the entire fucking movie. Because Ripley's like, no, 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 we're not bringing that shit on this fucking ship. Yes. It stays there. It is quarantine to <laughs> not do this. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was like, no, let him on the ship. And she's like, no, we don't know what the fuck that is. It stays there until we figure out what the fuck is going on. Or at the very least, like fucking, what's his name, Parker says, why aren't we freezing the fucker? You're just, you're just going to let him die? If I don't, we may all die. Yes. And spoilers, guess what fucking happens? <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, uh, Dallas forces Ripley's hand. Or no, no, no. Uh, the android forces Ripley's hand because Dallas is like well, screaming no one, at her. No one forces Ripley's hand. Dallas screams at her to let them in. Mm-hmm. And then Ian and Holmes' then, character yes, opens up the... And then he just goes ahead and opens. Right. Um, uh, so they basically are, they're giving, uh, Kane a full workup, like, how do we get this fucking off? Clearly he's still breathing, we can see his chest rising and falling and shit like that, and the little, like, flaps on the side of his face from the creature is fucking moving in and out. So clearly it's breathing for him. What the fuck do we do? And they attempt to lift up one of the fingers and the, uh, it tightens tail. its tail around his neck. Right. So they're like, well, if we take it off, it's probably gonna kill him, so let's try to cut it off. They attempt to cut it off. And this is when we first find out that the creature has acid for blood. Yes. And it uh, basically burns through, like, three decks. Two or three decks of just, just this, like, one little droplet. By the, by the third deck, it's lost its steam. Right. But... And then they realize that... That mm, it's some sort of organic acid. Right. And we see Parker constantly, and it got annoying by the end of it. He's just like, why aren't we freezing him? Why aren't we freezing him? Why aren't we freezing him? I w- if I was on that crowd, I'd be like, clearly they're not listening to you. Shut up. They're not listening to anybody because he's not even supposed to be on this fucking ship. But clearly he's here. So we're not doing anything like we fucking should. Shut the fuck up. Side note, I just remembered. They did a brilliant thing before they uh, enter the uh, atmosphere of this planet. I don't know if it was conscience or if it was uh, just something that happened by accident. So we know we don't know at the beginning of the movie, but we later on find out that Ian Holmes' character is an android. Now, what was interesting is that right when they're discussing on what to do with the planet, that you find out that they're all in the... I don't think it's a big kitchen area. They're in some area just discussing anything. But if you, look, if you watch it carefully, you see Parker's character, which is a black man, tell a white character, move. And in 1979, I found that fucking brilliant to do. I know it's fucking dopey to think about, but it's also quite... Brilliant. I don't know if they, that was the intent or if it was just basically being like some sort of like hierarchy between humans and androids. But to have a black man tell a white man to move, you're in my spot. Yeah. I thought it was interesting to fucking see. Um, so basically, they're 
after they realize that they can't cut the damn thing off, they can't remove the fucking thing, they can't do anything but just wait and see what happens. Uh, like, a few minutes later, what is it? Like, Ian Holmes' character tells Dallas to come here. Something has happened, and the animal is just off. His face. His face. Don't know why. Don't know where it went. They're all looking throughout the thing, and then eventually it falls on Ripley's shoulders, and she freaks the fuck out and all that. And they find out the animal just it's died. Dead. For whatever reason, something happened. It just decided to crawl off his face and die. And then a few minutes after that, Kane wakes up. And they're all like, what the fuck? Clearly nothing's wrong with him. He's fully he functional. He's hungry as shit. And then they're... And I, and I was looking into the backstory of this movie. Apparently, whenever this scene was being, um, uh, I guess, uh, choreographed, structured, whatever. Not just in the writing, but in the actual like shooting of it. The cast didn't know... Oh, the uh, the dinner scene. Yes. The cast didn't know the extent of what was going to happen. They knew something was going to happen. They didn't know... They, they saw the puppet. Right. They um, knew that it was going to be born somehow. Yes. Um, but the extent of which what is... Because you actually see it in the movie. Whenever they're... Kane is freaking out. So, yeah, as we progress to the story, they're all having a good time. Kane's alive. He's not passed out. He doesn't have the thing on his chest. They're having a good old time. They're having. They're eating. He's fucking hungry as shit. He's shoveling in food into his face. And then all of a sudden, he starts convulsing, and ch- it looks like he's choking. And then as he's doing that, he just starts writhing and, like, kicking and flailing his arms and shit. And then it's fucking brilliant the way that they did it because... The thing punctures through his chest, all his blood goes everywhere, and everyone stops. Right, everyone, and the the reaction that you get there is genuine, because yes. the only person that knew anything that was going to happen, or what was going to happen mm-hmm. in that scene, was John Hurt. Like, he was the only one right. that was clued in. And, like, they saw the body double, or the, the uh, mannequin, mm-hmm. they saw the puppet, they didn't know exactly what was going to happen. How it was going to happen. And they were, uh, and they were... More than a little bit suspicious of the raincoats that they had been <laughs> But they had no idea that there was going to be that much gore so, or anything. Yeah, in the in the film, you see them all just fucking... You see the th- thing pop so, out of his chest initially, and they all fucking just stop dead in their tracks. Like, what, 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 would, we, what would we just see? And then it just goes from there, where it continues to burst through his chest, and yeah, and then you have the... Then you get spurts of blood mm-hmm. on, uh, on Sigourney Weaver's character, yep. and... Like, everybody, like, freaks out. Um, mm-hmm. But apparently, um, according to The Guardian, uh, Yafet Koto um, shut himself in his room right after that scene was filmed, and he wouldn't talk to anyone. Jesus. It doesn't say how long, but, like, it genuinely affected Fucked them. Fucked with them, like, yeah. Because they just had no idea. And yeah. I, I really kind of love that. Like, yeah, that's... Yeah. Because you see it, like I said, like I've been saying, you see it in the film where they it's all just so, stop. It's so nice to see like genuine reaction, like because mm-hmm. normally it's scripted. and You can go, okay, well that's like that's this is where fake. I act scared. Like, I'm so afraid. <laughs> right, right. But like that was like sheer terror, mm-hmm. and they thought an actual person was dying in front of them yeah, for like they, a split second. You see it on all their faces. They thought someone was dead. Yeah, and. So just bravo! Not yes. only not only to uh, to Ridley Scott, but to like the special effects team and just everybody that had a hand in that because it was fucking gorgeous. Like it was just 
so yeah, after this chest bursting scene, you basically see the I guess the uh, like skin colored version of the xenomorph, and it's just very tiny, and it just scurries off like a small cat would if it was just born and scared out of his fucking mind. Um, so they all start looking for the fucking thing. They don't know where the fuck it had gone to. They are still expecting, at w- up to a certain point, still expecting it to be about the size of a cat. Mm-hmm. And then Brett finds the xenomorph. And this is where we actually see the xenomorph in its full well, fucking form. Uh, first, they find the cat. They oh, find yeah, yeah. Jonesy. Yeah, they find Jonesy. And Jonesy's cowering in a corner somewhere, scared out of its fucking mind, knowing that something's... In the room with Something him. terrible is here. Right. And then Brett finds the skin of the xenomorph. And then as he's looking at it, he sees Jonesy, looks at Jonesy, and then all of a sudden Jonesy hisses at what is behind Brett. And this is where we first see the xenomorph in full form. And the guy that played, uh, I guess this was his first time acting, it was Balaji Badejo, I think yes. that's how you say his last name. Um, it's a difficult name. Um... But he is a six foot ten inch Nigerian yeah. student. Yeah. Who um a casting agent spotted him in a pub in London yeah. and immediately called uh Ivor Powell, who was um the associate producer, and said this they, massive they've, been, motherfucker. they've been struggling to find someone big enough to wear the the puppetry. Of the xenomorph. Um, and he ended up taking mime classes to get the alien motions down right. Sounds about right. And uh, it was the only time that he's ever acted. Oh, the only time? I just yes. knew it was his first time. Um, I think I read that somewhere mm-hmm. else. It's saying, it stands to reason, because it's not like he's a household name. You actually have to go and look to see who played the xenomorph in the first yes. movie. Um, he may he may have come back for the others, but like I don't think he's done anything mm-hmm. beyond... Like, alien. Mm. It's a fucking killer. Just the way he fucking works the animal and everything. And this is actually where you, uh, you... You saw glimpses of the design work in the ship and the small xenomorph. But this is where you actually get the full-fledged version of H.R. Geiger's um, uh, design work. Yes. Because this is all H.R. Geiger. Which, if you look into some of his stuff, some of it's interesting. The rest of it is just a bunch of dicks everywhere. Yeah. Dicks and uh, tits with huge nipples. Yep. Just look at the ship. It's fucking insane. The guy is a prolific artist, and people will fucking enjoy his work. I enjoy some of it, but most of it, it's just a guy obsessed with dicks and tits. But yes, he, um, he is a Swiss surrealist painter, and he's the one that did all of the, um, designed all of the aliens. Mm-hmm. He designed the face hugger, the chest burster, uh, the space jockey, and um, the big bad adult, and then... Later on in the series, yeah, yeah, the, the queen, queen and, and all that, yeah. and all of that. Um, but apparently, um, at one point, Dutch customs detained him for his alien character designs. That sounds about right. Um, they stopped Geiger because they thought his paintings were photographs and were deeply disturbed. And Geiger was just annoyed. He's like, where, in the, where on earth did they think that I could have photographed my subjects? In hell? <laughs> like, because it's very obviously, like, if, I mean, by today's standards, like... Oh, no, it's... it's you a, know that the xenomorph is obviously not... Human. Real. Yeah. Uh, so basically, at this point, they all know that Brett got fucking taken out by the xenomorph because they basically see where he was at one point and just blood everywhere. Well, in the... 
in the 2003 director's cut, yes. I don't, oh, is that not I don't think that it's in the original. So they just know it because, was taken out. Because there's there's the that whole scene where um, Ripley and um, the other engineer guy. Uh, Parker. Parker. Like, go into the room where mm-hmm. he was. Is that not in the theatrical? I don't think it's in the theatrical. Huh. Because he gets, once again, he gets covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they look up and blood is just, like, dripping down mm-hmm. all over him. Right. And that's how they realize that he's been taken. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so, yeah, basically, they're all fucking figuring out what to do. How, do they abandon ship or anything like that? And Lambert's like, we need to abandon ship. And Ripley's like, well, the escape hatch only fits about four. Yeah, or it won't fit more won't than four. Fit, yeah, it won't fit more than four. Um, and so they're basically like, we gotta fucking figure out a way to track it down and like th- throw it out in space or kill it in some manner that isn't gonna destroy our ship. Right. So they they go, okay, well if we can't if we can't get it that way, or if we can't escape that way, mm-hmm. then why don't we uh, chase it? Down yes. to an airlock and blow it. They out try in to space. basically trap it within certain corridors. And they go, okay, how do we, how do we do that? And Ash says, well, I don't really know. Um, most creatures don't like fire, so yeah. maybe we use fire. Yeah. Um, and so they get the flamethrowers. And, and Dallas fucking uh, nominates himself to basically go through the corridors to try to track right, it through down. Right, through the ventilation system yeah. of the ship. And they figure out a way that they can track the, the creature on... Again, I get it. It's made in the 70s, but come on. Technology would have been... Micro... Some micro sort of... Atmospheric pressure changes or yeah, something like that yeah, is how they somebody, try to train... Some, there had to been some grip, basically, been like, what if we changed it just a little bit to where it's not just squares and circles on a screen? Someone. Because some sort of, I, I get the entire movie is a visual fucking masterpiece. But when it comes to computer systems, and it always bugs me about older movies, not so much in Star Wars, because it's Star Wars, so shut up. But in this movie, it bugs the crap out of me because just a little bit more thought into some of the technology. I get you're traveling through space, and it's a movie made in the 70s. At the same time, you have to use the technology that you have available at the time. I get it. And... But I think... uh, I don't a know. modified fish finder, which I assume <laughs> is what they used for yeah, that, yeah. or something yeah. like that, yeah. would be about what they could potentially use. True. So you have to like you can't you can't judge things that are from at this point <laughs> fifty years ago. But Jesus Christ. Yeah, 79. Well, 40, 41 years yeah, yeah. for you people. That, Ain't that many years? <laughs> Just take it as the decade of the 70s, and we're in right. the 2020s, so even 41 years. Like, you could look back at something made in 2000 and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know, there, are, there are a few things. That, fucking garbage. Yeah, yeah. Like, like technology so much better than that and it's supposed to be you know 2071 why is it i'm not expecting like fucking like what we have now where we have holograms and fucking touch screens and shit like that in movies i'm just saying a little bit more forethought into the actual tech that you're using just a little bit well so, something like, a little bit further than circles and dots i will i will defend that <laughs> like i said just because like you you only use 
or you can only use what you have available right. to you. Right. So if that's the best that they had available, they tried to. I think if they wanted to, they would have figured it out. Um, <laughs> but at the same, like you can't, you can't do that because then, like, you can't enjoy H.P. Lovecraft's. I get it. Novels because he uses some. More than colorful language right. to describe. Um, oh, he's a racist. African American. <laughs> yes. Or you know you can't you can't enjoy things from the past if you like judge it by today's standards is is all I'm saying. Mm. So like the the I I will be with you with the like small TVs <laughs> like even if. E- like in Mother, because even if you want to go, okay, well, it's going to be a 10-inch TV, like, why is the chair that they sit in 60 feet away from yes. it? So every time they ask a question, they have to stand up and walk over and <laughs> look even, at the TV. I doubt they even walk over. They probably just stand up and leer over the console. And like, like, what? What's it say? Uh, okay, okay. Although, like, we obviously don't know... Um, and it, it could be just what they used as the as the device to say, okay, well, it's, like, projected to them in the mm-hmm. chair. Because every time they, like, ask a question or something, it gives us, the audience, a close-up of it. Of the monitor. Right. So there could be something inside the chair that... Maybe. And that's, that's just a face screen to... A visual representation of what's right. going on. Maybe. Um, but anyway... So yeah, they they track it with Dallas tries to track it basically in the what it seems with, like a modified fish finder <laughs> right uh, with flamethrower and the fish finder and they uh, they try their damnedest and Lambert's freaking out saying no he's right on top of you he's right on top of you and the guy goes down a corridor and he's like I don't see him I don't see him down then, a down a ladder down a ladder into another corridor and he's like I don't see him he's not above me and then he stops. Turns to the right, bam! Is right Probably the best jump scare in the entire movie. Yeah, um, because it is just like it still gets me every once in a while when I watch it because, mm. like, I know it's coming, but just the yeah, yeah, just all of it. the moment he turns around, bam! It's right there in front of him. Yeah, um, and so they basically realize that you don't see Dallas get killed, but you realize they come to the realization that Dallas is dead. And so Ripley is now taking charge, and it's like, look, we need to fucking figure something out. We need to either blow the shit up, ship up, not shit up, blow the ship up, escape, or something. Try to get a hold of it, and they're and then, all... And then there's a really good scene between her and Ash, yeah, where yeah. he's like, well, you know, uh, th- this is what Mother says, yeah, and yeah. blah, 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 like, this is my, like, this is what's going on. And she's like, mm, I have access to Mother now. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in I'm charge. In charge yeah. I'll get my own answers. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, the, the rift growing between them. Yeah. And, and we still don't, us as the audience, I don't think they know. No. The actual people. Because, yeah, Parker makes a comment. It's like, I didn't even know it was an Android type shit. Um, so, they have their argument. Sigourney Weaver goes to Mother looks into what's going on. She finds out that Ash has been tasked by Mother to try to keep the creature alive to bring it back to Earth. 
And that's where... No, not to Earth. That was... No, to uh, some sort of research facility. Okay. Either way, he's meant to keep the fucker alive. The path has... Or their their flight path has been altered, and they're not going back to Earth. They're going to wherever this Mm -hmm. research thing is. is, where they can research the Xenomorph, Mm -hmm. and uh, Sigourney Weaver finds out that the crew has become expendable, Mm -hmm. and the only thing that matters is him getting the Xenomorph 2. Right. The testing facility. And she flips out on him, is like, this is bullshit. No, this is not fucking right. And then he fucking wigs the fuck out. You see him starting, like, glitching and shit, and he just fucking beats the shit out of Ripley, and he does this weird menacing... You know what? You know how you're fucking creeped out about the, um... About the xenomorph in the corridor with Dallas? The thing that creeps me out is whenever she's learning everything, and it cuts to her looking at everything, cuts and to the screen... And he leans over. And it cuts to her, and he's fucking right there beside her, not mm, saying, doing anything. He's just looking at her. That creeps me the fuck out. And then says, like, there's a there's a reasonable explanation yeah. for this. And then that's when he starts glitching and freaking out, and he basically tries to shove a magazine down her throat at one point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he beats the piss so, out of her like, and tries to choke her with a magazine. Beats, beats the piss out of her, and then um, I think she finds out that he's an android at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because, uh, uh, like, his brain, I guess, starts frying and, like, all that milky shit starts oozing mm. out of and his there's head. And uh, there's actually a scene that was missed. Mm. Um, because her nose, I don't know if you realized or if you saw this, mm-hmm. but her nose starts, like, bleeding, bleeding mm. for some unknown reason before they have their fight. Mm-hmm. Like, before there's any, like, sort of... Altercation. Altercation between the two of them. Like, you see her nose bleeding. Mm-hmm. And I was just like... Okay, like, I just, like, let it go. I just assumed it was because of the um, Lambert punching her earlier, and it was just like, oh, well, she got punched. Maybe well, no, because just... it looks it looks fresh. It looks wet. Mm. And that was, at this point, hours ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens, apparently, in, like, a, um, uh, in a scene that was written and recorded but not put into the movie mm. and not put into the uh, director's cut, mm. um, they almost succeed in getting the alien out of the airlock, or out of an airlock. And the, uh, the like, warning klaxons that, I think that's what they're called, that, uh, like, beep and meh, mm-hmm. meh, meh, whenever something's opening scares the alien away and it cuts itself in the airlock and drops some of its blood and causes explosive decompression that makes the entire crew um, bleed from their noses and ears because of the decompression. Huh. And they end up getting it sealed up. Mm-hmm. And then she goes to mother and that's why finds everything out. And that's that's why she has a bloody nose. Um, and it would honestly also help explain... Like, why um, the android starts Ash going starts fucking haywire. Why, yeah, why Ash starts going banana republic. Yeah, it doesn't really explain it in the movie. It just he, Whenever she finds out everything, he just flips the fuck out. Right, and starts attacking her. <laughs> Choking and, her with a magazine. Uh, is, it looked interesting on screen, but as I'm watching, I was like, that's an odd way to choke someone out. Why not just put your hands around their throat? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Like, 
it seemed like it looked menacing yeah. when it happened. And then, of course, you get um, you get the other characters coming in mm-hmm. to help. Parker. And basically get, cold cocks him and then just takes his head fucking well, you, clean well, off. Well, you get Parker, but then it's... Then it's all titty twisters and magazine choking. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like he, and that that part always bothered me a little bit. Like he just <laughs> grabs, he his just chest. grabs his chest and like <laughs> fingers in, and it's like it's too high to like actually grab his titty. <laughs> yeah. But it's like shoulder collarbone area. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like crushing the collarbone or something because he reacts in like genuine pain. Yeah, yeah. Like something's going on. But. I assume it's to show the like vice-like strength of the, the android and blah blah blah. Yeah. But it's like titty twisters and magazine choking. <laughs> like that's just that's not the way that I would personally try to. Um, if if someone? I was in a fight, I would not try to incapacitate them that way. Yeah. I would I would use much uh, better means. Punch them. Take an eye out, something. Right, right. Or, you know, kick them in the balls right. or choke them with my hands instead of a rolled up people. Like. Uh, so, yeah, at this point, uh, what is it? Parker takes off Ash's head by clubbing him a few times and basically just rips the fuck off. And then that's where they basically wire him back up to basically ask him a bunch of questions about what they're supposed to do, why they want to keep the creature, shit like that. This is where Ash basically is in love with the creature's psychology and its uh, ability to survive and all that shit. And, um, and his innards, Ash's innards, were made from oh, milk, yeah. caviar, pasta, and marbles. Yeah. Like, that's the... And it's gross fiber shit. optic mm-hmm. stuff that you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was especially unfortunate for... Uh, home, who hated milk, so like he had to yeah at one point he just spit milk mm-hmm. up and stuff, so apparently he just fucking hated it. Mm-hmm. Also, another fun fact: Ash was not in the original uh, script. Um, he didn't appear in O'Bannon's script. He was invented by the producers, and Shusset loved the addition. O'Bannon didn't really care. Um, he said basically. If it wasn't in there, what difference does it make? I mean, who gives a, rat, a rat's ass? So somebody's a robot. I find that one of the coolest but, yeah, things. Yeah, that's like in the movie. I don't. I don't agree with O'Bannon yeah. at this point. Like, you you have to have that that character. Like, you have to have that foil against the heroes because, like, if there wasn't an android that was ordered by the company to. Mm-hmm to keep it alive and stuff, then everybody survives. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Part of the reason why, yeah. Cause he, Ian's the one that, or Ian Holmes character, Ash is the one that fucking, there you go. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Gage. <laughs> what a Hello. shit. Um, where were we? Mm. Oh, they were, uh, they were hooking up Ash. To basically get yes. information from yes. him and basically be like, what should we do and shit like that. And then they, there's only three of them at this point. There's Parker, Lambert, and Ripley. Um, Ash is pretty much dead because after they get information from Ash, they torch his ass. So they unplug him and yeah. then torture him. Um, so they basically, they all are like, you know what? We will just have to make it 
in the uh, escape ship that we have. Yes. So they just grab they all all three of them just start grabbing supplies. Ripley starts up the sequence for self destruct. Well, she sends she sends Lambert and um, Parker to mm-hmm. go and get supplies. Yes. Get air tanks or something. Yeah, it looked like air some sort like of air, air canisters, canisters and, and then I think it was like packets of shit that they're also grabbing as well. Yeah. And Ripley went to start the start self, the self destruction. Well, no, she went to start the um, escape vessel to get it all ready to go. Oh, okay. And then, and then um, she went. They and were going, and then they were going to meet up. And yeah, uh, because once they started the self destruct of the ship, it was only ten minutes, and so she was giving them time to enough time to g- grab everything, get the fuck right. out of there, and go from there. Um, so yeah, in the process of them, uh, Lambert and Parker grabbing supplies, they're constantly in contact with one another. With Ripley, Parker, and Lambert, they're all in contact with one another. Right. I'll, and Parker and Lambert are pretty much from, in the same area. From about the time that like they start looking for it, so before anything else happens, Dallas opens up communication to all sections mm-hmm. of the ship, mm-hmm. so everyone can hear everybody else right. all the time. Wherever. And then that, that's where we get one of the most horrifying things in the world. And it's just basically because of Lambert, because of the way she's screaming. Because while they're getting fucking supplies, Parker and Lambert are getting supplies. They basically get fucking cornered by the Xenomorph. And he just basically wrecks shop with the two of them. Well, and um, she freezes. She, like, just freezes. and he, Lambert. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And... Parker just is, like, screaming at her, like, get out of the way, get out mm-hmm. of the way, so he can torture her because yeah. he's got the, the flamethrower. Mm-hmm. But she just doesn't move. She's just completely frozen. Yeah. And instead of um, just going, okay, well, if you don't want to move, I want to survive, so... Yeah. He tries to jump onto the back of the Xenomorph, mm-hmm. gets hit with a tail and knocked into the wall. Yeah. And then I believe he... The, the xenomorph kills him first. Yes, and then because he poses a threat mm-hmm. and then kills her. Then kills Lambert because yeah, th- that's where you basically because during that whole skirmish you don't really see Ripley and then while she's screaming after Parker dies you see Ripley just trying to fucking figure out what the fuck am I gonna do because all she's doing is hearing all of this exchange. Right, and she tries to run to find them, mm-hmm. and I don't like. I mean. Abstractly, I understand why. <laughs> right. Because, like, if I heard a friend in danger or, like, screaming, help me, help me, help me, I would run to try to find them. I wouldn't go, oh, well, they're they're just fucked. Like, mm-hmm. nothing I can do. Right. I guess I better do this instead. Uh, and then, basically, Ripley makes the decision, well, clearly, they're no longer with us, so I'm going to go start the self-destruct sequence. And then, after she starts it, uh, she tries to get back on the shuttle. I think... It's either she tries to get back on the shuttle, she sees the alien between her and the shuttle, between her and the shuttle, she tries to go around, and then that's when she stumbles upon the, basically, area where the alien is keeping all the bodies. Right. I think that's how it goes. Yes. And then, uh, she sees Dallas, she sees fucking Brett, she sees Parker, and, well, maybe not Parker, but I think she sees Lambert, Dallas, Park, or, uh, Brett, and all that, I'm just strung up, basically in, plastered to... In cocoon-like states. Right, just waiting to be... Uh, fed to a face hugger, and Dallas temporarily wakes up. He's like, "Kill me, kill me!" And then that's when uh, Ripley torches the entire fucking surrounding area, and then she goes back to the 
she, I think she encounters the xenomorph again, where she thinks she, uh, she meets it in a hallway with Jonesy and like drops Jonesy and like gets down to the and then runs away Mm -hmm. and leaves Jonesy there in the crate. Yeah, and and she thinks she's let it away from the shuttle. Yeah, and swats it away. Swats it away. She thinks she's let it away from the shuttle, so she basically circles back around to the shuttle, gets on there, exit. Shortly before that, she tries to alter the self-destruct. Right, she goes back um, whenever she first realizes that it's between her and the shuttle, Mm. tries to cancel the self-destruct sequence, um, but at five minutes, the self-destruct sequence it's becomes irreversible. irreversible. Yeah. And she gets the cores back down in, but doesn't flip the switches. Yep. So, until, like, four minutes and 50 seconds left. And so it's irreversible, and she's, okay, well, I either have to make it to the shuttle, or I'm going to die. Yep. There are no other options. And she makes it to the shuttle. She thinks she's safe. She's got Jonesy. She puts Jonesy in like a like the cat version of a cryogenic chamber. Well, it's her cryogenic chamber. Is it? I thought right. it was just like a, another at person's. Least, but at least uses. that's how it shows up in the second movie, because Jonesy is like curled up, yeah, right her. beside her. Yep. And as she's getting everything ready, she then uh, starts uh, switching some dongles on a panel, and then the xenomorph pops out from a corridor. Uh, on the escape hatch and basically tries to attack her. She quickly runs into... No, it's directly in front of her in the, like, command console. I thought... I thought the command console was in the center and then she went over to this, like, Well, I mean, it could be, like... It was some part of the bridge. It was basically stowed away at some point in in this one area. Right. And it, um... Very lazily, like, throws its arm out at her. That's all it does. Like, "Ah!" And there's a reason for that, but we'll get into that um, after we finish the movie mm. um, because it's it's interesting. Oh, okay. Um, and it kind of plays back into some of the other stuff that has happened oh, okay. throughout the movie. Um, but she then runs away from it into like a little closet yeah, that has spacesuits yeah. and gets in a spacesuit and then in a chair and straps herself in. Yep, yeah, she's also got a grappling hook with her, because there's, like, instruments and shit on the one wall yes. with the spacesuit. She grabs a grappling hook, as well as crawling into a spacesuit. Because at this point, she's basically half-naked. She's just get, got, like, a white tank top on and underwear on, because she's right, trying to get she's ready she's getting for, ready to go into cryos. Right. Um, so she, she's just setting, like, She sees the alien against the one wall, basically... Looking for, I don't think well, it's a, in the like in the wall, basically. Yeah, it's not really doing anything, it's just kind of like lounging it's laying there. there. Um, so she puts on the but, spacesuit. Um, it, it has done that before, like that's it's an ambush type predator, mm-hmm. I would say. Like, I mean, it's not a predator, but it's a it's an ambush hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, whenever it uh kills Rhett, the first guy it kills, um. In the, I don't think it's in the theatrical version, but in the director's cut, mm-hmm. like you can, you can see it hanging in the chains, yeah, just swinging back and forth, completely motionless, watching him below it, yeah, and and obviously you don't get to see through the uh, the point of view of the alien at this point in the in the series, but yeah. eventually you do, yeah, 
later on. Um, but you get to see... Um, well, actually, I don't think you ever get to see through the alien's eyes. I think you do. I think in, like, AVP, you do. I thought that was all Predator, but we'll, we'll get to that whenever we get to that. Right. So, fuck it. It's not important now. <laughs> um, but you see it, like, be an ambush, like, hide-type mm-hmm. yeah. uh, hunter. And so, it's, v- like, you, th- you think, okay, well, that's probably the reason that it's, that it's doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems, it seems very lazy and lethargic at this point, like, in the movie. Like, I've had enough of that. <laughs> yeah. I want... No, I don't wanna, bother me. I want to <laughs> make something pretty now. Uh, so, yeah, basically she... Sucks out all the oxygen in the room, opens up she, one of the hatches. Yes, and just, she opens up the hatch, the hatch to uh, throw it into space, mm. and it catches itself in the door, yep. and then she shoots it with her grappling hook. Yep. And <laughs> it's just like one thing after another. She thinks she gets it out with just you know opening the hatch. It gets sucked out. It grabs at the last second on the door frame. So she she then shoots it with her grappling hook. Bam! It hooks onto the damn thing. It's conti- or no. The the grappling hook hits the guy hits it hits it in the, the creature. Chest. She lets go of the grappling hook it, gun itself. As she it, she it's lets getting, go of it, it's getting pulled out the and door. immediately the door. Yes. Uh, so it's hanging it. off the outside of the ship. It starts crawling into one of the in in what is probably the funniest scene because it's just like a perfectly <laughs> perfectly still body of the alien and you see it outside and it like the grappling hook goes to full. <laughs> like full strength mm. and then it like pulls itself back in and you just see it kind of like bunk <laughs> off the outside of the hall um and then you see it like return to life and crawl into one of the engines to try mm. to get back inside and then she just and she turns the engine on and roasts it alive yep and that's the movie she basically enters cryo sleep with the cat and that's the end of the movie don't know what happens to her. Find out later on she, in the she, second movie. But yep, she uh, she has defeated the alien, mm-hmm. and she has earned herself a nap, and she hops into a cryo sleep, and credits begin to roll, and rightfully so. She's the only one that fucking deserves to live because everyone else was acting goddamn stupid with shit, thinking that they needed to save Kane. She was just like, no, we need to not let him on the ship, and she was, and. There are there are multiple things throughout it that could have prevented oh, yeah. anything from happening. Not letting him on the ship. All right, you let him on the ship. Freeze his Freeze ass. <laughs> um, and that also would have let them get it to the wherever research facility yeah. or whatever. Um, although, once again, you find out later that that doesn't really go well either. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's. That's a couple from now, so we'll right, right, right. we'll just leave that for right now. Um, the some of some of the other things that I found out today, doing a little bit of research. Um, apparently, originally, the um, xenomorph was supposed to be translucent, like a jellyfish. Huh. Um, and throughout its life cycle, it was supposed to get darker and darker, like turn to the the black hard mm-hmm. exoskeleton. Um, and they they scrapped that idea um, because originally for this movie um, there was no thought of a queen, 
And so they had a different reproductive cycle completely. So the, um, the prisoners that it cocooned, mm-hmm. there was something inside of that cocoon that turned them into eggs and turned them into face huggers. Okay. Um, and that was originally how, like, the, the species reproduced was, like, uh, an egg would become, like, the face hugger would become the adult who would find bodies to become eggs to then propagate the species. I like this version better. And the, um... The whole hive mind The queen. reason that it is so lethargic at the end mm-hmm. is because it is dying. It is near the end of its life cycle. And hmm. that is why it just kind of like lazily throws out one mm. arm mm. because it's very near death. Yeah. I didn't get that. I thought it was just being lazy. Nope. <laughs> um, so technically if, if you look at it with that in mind, um, as long as no one goes back to that planet for any reason, they're not going to do anything. The alien race is done. And that's, mm. and that's how they explain the fact that it hasn't taken over the universe yet because mm. like it can only propagate its species with live hosts mm. and the adults don't last long enough to get there. So when Ripley blows up the ship, she blows up any of the creatures that are On drifting that. in space mm. and, um, the, the creature itself, if she had just gone into cryosleep, yep. may have never even moved from where it was and just died there. Yep. That's just... That's a, the movie. That's, that's a fun fact that, that I found that out. Be, I like the version of the Hive Queen and everything, so... I, I also prefer the way that it is canonically now, mm-hmm. but I do like the fact that they had come up with something to make it completely self-contained. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't have... Like, if... If Aliens had never been released, and Alien was all we got from this franchise... Mm. Shit. Yes. If Aliens had never been released, and Alien was all we ever got from this franchise, Mm -hmm. it was completely contained, and everything could be explained. I don't like when things can't be explained, or, like, it it just shows a lack of forethought, I I personally believe, Mm -hmm. that, like, if... If you have a script and somebody goes, okay, well, what about this? Like, how do they, how do they reproduce? And you go, uh, <laughs> like that, that seems weak. But if you're like, oh, you know, they, some sort of like world take, building type they thing. They take this, um, they take the host that, uh, and my guess would probably be Rhett, like, cause he gets fucking little mouth through the forehead. Mm, yeah. Like, so he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. And if it needs a living Dallas would probably be creature there. to be a host, then you know he becomes the egg, which then infects Dallas, yep. because Dallas is alive and can talk. Yep. Thus, the species is propagated, and there's more alien babies. <laughs> uh, did you uh, look up how much the budget was for this one? I did not. It was eleven million. For just this first first one. This is according to this is according to Box Office Mojo. And it made eighty one million uh domestically and like twenty six million internationally. So it made like uh, hundred and eight million <laughs> altogether on eleven million dollar budget. So it made fucking 
Ridiculous amounts of money. Yes, it, it did very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it's way up there um, in... It is one of the most definitive movies. That If you think about a space movie, it's this, Star Wars, 2001. Uh, I'm blanking. Starman? No. Didn't Jeff Bridges star in a space movie? Clearly, it's not that important, like Star Wars or fucking Alien. Probably. I thought he did. Maybe it is called Starman. I can't remember the fucking movie, but... Oh, I know there's, like, Enemy Mine and mm-hmm. Battlefield Earth, but those are both, like, terrible space movies. Battlefield Earth is the L. Ron Hubbard one, isn't it? That's the one with John Travolta yes. with threads. That's uh, the L. Ron Hubbard one. Yes. That's why he did it, because he was a Scientologist, yes. and he wanted to make that movie yes. for L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. It's a fucking movie. It's just insane. Um, so basically, that's the movie. Um, we were thinking about how we want to rank this. or We both enjoy the movie, obviously. but um, So we're basically... What we're going to do is at the... Because we're going to tackle a franchise at a time. So this time we're doing the Aliens, and then we're going to dovetail this into the Predator franchise. But by the time we're done with the Alien franchise, we'll basically rank all the movies that we've watched. So right now, this is at the top of our list because this is the only one we've watched. So Alien is yes. at the top of our list. So um, And also, another few uh, fun facts. Um, the ship's name comes from a Joseph Conrad novel. So, um, I, I knew it sounded the, familiar. The Nostromo mm-hmm. um, was ripped from the title of a 1904 Joseph Conrad novel by Joseph Conrad, which follows an Italian explorer sent to South America to plunder a silver mine. Yep. Um, and it's not the only Conrad reference, um, because the shuttle that Ripley uses to escape mm-hmm. is called the Narcissus. Oh, okay. Which is another, um, refers to another Conrad novel. Yep. Um, with a much more problematic title, but I never looked up what the... Oh. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I want to say the name of this, the novel. Um, is it racist? Yes. Let me see it. Oh, no! No, we're not, no, 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 Yeah, the, uh... The N-word of... Narcissus. Narcissus, yes, Yes. no. No. So, is it... Granted, just Conrad, uh, writer, writer, like fucking H.P. Lovecraft, racist as fuck. 1904, <laughs> times were different. <laughs> and you racist as fuck. You can't judge Ridley Scott <laughs> on this man's thing, but yeah, that's a that's a. Whew. <laughs> and on that note, this is the first episode yeah, of. That's, uh, <laughs> Nerdinian. Uh. <laughs> uh, next episode, yeah, we're gonna do Aliens, and then uh, as the weeks come along, we're gonna do Alien Three and Alien Resurrection, and then probably the Prometheus Covenant, and then we'll just go into oh AVP and then Predator movies. Because I think Predator has like three movies, four. You had Predator there's One, Predator, two. Predator Two, or there's Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. Predator Two. Danny, Danny Glover, Glover. Um, Predators, yeah, the wrong with Roger Adrian Beaky, yeah, yes. <laughs> I know that's not his name. Yes, uh, and then you have Predator, and then you have Predator, yeah, uh, the new Shane Black, yes, um, which I watched. It's entry. all right. 
I like the crew more than I did like the movie itself. Like Tom Jane and uh, what's his name from Keen Pill? Uh, Keenan. Keegan Michael Keen. Keegan Michael Keen. Uh, I liked him in that movie. Yeah. Uh, Along with uh, what's his name? Oh, God. The guy that played the main bad guy who constantly chewed fucking gum in the movie. Hey, I believe he's in uh, Black Panther. He played Killmonger's dad. I can't... Yeah. Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. That's it. Um, I, I enjoyed him in the movie, but yeah, we'll get to those as, as we go along. Yeah, we got, we, got a, we got a while before we get to, yes. to that particular Predator movie. So this is the end of the first episode. So I hope everybody enjoys it, and we'll see you next week. Yep.